We just want to like keep our head down, do a good job and hope for the best. But ultimately at the end of the day, your restaurant, your food will be forgettable, but you are not forgettable. What's up, Zach Oates here, author, entrepreneur, and customer relationship guru. Welcome to Give an Ovation, growth strategies for restaurants and retailers, where we find industry leaders to share their secrets to grow your business. This podcast is sponsored by Ovation, the actionable guest feedback tool that works on or off premise and is easy, real time, and actually drives revenue. Learn more at OvationUp.com. Welcome to another edition of Give an Ovation. I am joined by Josh Kopel, who is a Michelin-rated restaurateur, spent nearly 20 years in the hospitality industry, from the bayous of New Orleans to the hottest nightclubs in Hollywood. He has now brought his expertise to Full Comp, a weekly podcast, as well as CEO of Flow Hospitality. And because he's got so much free time after all that, <laughs> the president of the California Restaurant Association, LA Chapter, uh, Josh, wow. Thanks for squeezing this in your schedule, man. Appreciate it. Oh, hey, man. It's my pleasure. So first of all, what, what do you do? Like you've got, you've got the podcast, you got flow, you got the California restaurant association. Uh, what do you tell your mom that you do? Like what keeps you busy? I'm just here to help is really all it comes down to. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it has been my impetus for everything. When I initially moved out to Los Angeles from Louisiana, the goal was to find a big concept there and then bring it back home and be, be a local hero. And the more time I spent in Los Angeles, the more I felt like they needed what I grew up with. So I opened a Louisiana-inspired bar, a fine dining restaurant that eventually became Michelin rated, and a fast casual concept, all kind of around that Southern, Southern hospitality theme that I grew up with, that I missed. Yeah, because I mean, you have a very interesting um, background and bringing these worlds together. I mean, you look LA, you sound New Orleans, you know, <laughs> for, for those who uh, aren't, what didn't see the, the minute clip about this in the background, he's got this on one side, this like, you know, scattered art on the other side, very geometric shapes and colors. Like, it seems like you your life is bringing these two worlds together in a way that uh, really harmonizes these different philosophies. Absolutely. I, I mean, to frame it for you, I, I've always been a guy that liked to fill holes. If mm -hmm. I see a problem, I like to fix it. So, you know, when, it, when I saw what was missing in my market, I supplied, you know, one concept in each tier of dining that I felt like filled it. When, when I saw that there were infrastructural issues within our industry, uh, I set out to fix those, which is why I started Flow Hospitality. Uh, and then, you know, when the pandemic hit, I, I believe that there were conversations that needed to be had that weren't being had. And so I decided to start those conversations. And through all of it, you know, it, it's worked really well and it's all really resonated. And not because I think I'm exceptional in nature, but because I am incredibly ordinary. And what I like, <laughs> no, I mean it. What I like is what other people like. And what I need is what other people need. And, and my deepest fears and concerns, they resonate with people because I think they're everybody's deepest fears and concerns. So I, I think that through that lens, it all kind of makes sense. And do you want to give us like a, just a quick dip into flow hospitality? Tell us a little bit about what that is. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, th there, there's no shortage of, uh, 
technological solutions out there for, for whatever ails you. But what I saw was, at least in our industry, is there wasn't a lot of influence by restaurateurs in the way that these solutions were created. And I, I would argue that being a restaurateur is as much an art as it is a science. Mm -hmm. So what I wanted to do was start my own tech company. They really kind of focused on, on those specific needs. What are the needs that are underserved or not being met and attack them in a way that it would resonate with people just like me. I, I wasn't trying to revolutionize the industry. I was just trying to fix my own problems. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of the best solutions come from, right? Is you see it, you feel it, and then you solve it. And well, there, there's no sales involved, right? Because everybody's dealing with the same issues I'm dealing with because everybody's running the same businesses I'm running. So when I said, hey, I built this thing and it works, they'd be like, cool, sign me up for that shit. Yeah. <laughs> Love that, I, man. I, I have that problem too. So yeah, so that's that's been all of it. But I think a lot of it too comes down to your ability to reframe and to rethink what is what we're actually doing. You know, one of your LinkedIn posts that I was reading about, you basically asked restaurateurs, hey, do you know what business you're in? And your, uh, your assertion was that no, that most restaurateurs don't know what business they're in. And because they think they're in the business of, making restaurants and making food and, but, but you, you have a different approach to that. I do. I think I just look at things through a different lens. You know, I, I started that post by saying, you know, what are the big airlines best in the world at? It's certainly not travel, right? Because it's rarely a pleasurable experience. Um, they're best in the world at inventory management. They don't sell travel. They sell seats on a plane. So they need to be exceptionally good at that. And when, and when you look at what we sell as restaurateurs, and, and I know that you delve into this a lot, we're selling an experience. But if you really boil it down, we're selling time in a chair. And so understanding that, that we're in the inventory management business as well, how do you get the most money out of that chair day in and day out every day of the week? And I think when you look through that lens, it kind of answers all of the questions for you, right? Like you're focused on a thousand different things every day as a restaurateur, but maybe what I should focus on are ticket times and turn times on a table. And how do I expedite those two things to make sure I'm able to get two, three, four turns out of, out of this room before, you know, I begin to look at other issues. I would argue, and then I'll, I'll get off my soapbox. That oh, that, every that, come on, Josh, that's what this podcast is. It's a soapbox, man. <laughs> Stay up there, please. <laughs> The, the, the last thing that I'll say is this, is that especially when I started Flow and I began to take over my own reservation and waitlist system and the reservation and waitlist systems of everyone else that I knew, I can tell you this, there wasn't a single restaurant on platform that wasn't under monetized. They couldn't speed up turn times, more aggressively seat their restaurant. I used to guarantee people, yo, I'll make you an extra five to 15% top line sales and I'll do it in the first two weeks. Because all I did was speed up the pacing of the restaurant. The staff adjusted over time. They hated me at first. They loved me after. But instead of working on bringing in new business, why don't, why don't you try and facilitate 100% of the current demand for your business? I was talking with Earl Dardick a while ago, and he was talking about how restaurants now are kind of becoming a manufacturer, right? It's, it's like a food assembly line. And so, you know, especially with off-prem, 
yes, you have like the, the seats. How do you optimize that? I think that's, that's like the level we need to be thinking about. But if you kick that up one level, it's almost like, what is the maximum throughput of your restaurant with your staff? Like how many, how many tickets, how many dishes can your staff make in a given hour? And then how do you get as close to that as possible without killing your people, right? And I think that uh, taking that one level down in store, it's all around, you know, the table turns and making sure that your reservations are, they're showing up on time, they're sitting in the right place, they're not staying too long. And then off-prem, it's making sure you're marrying that and, and that your phones are getting answered, the orders are getting received, things are going out, you know, because all of those things combined into this omni-channel world that everyone is now dealing with. It, it all comes down to the basics. And, and when I look at the pandemic, which some people call the great reset or the great pause, I, I hope that everybody had the same opportunity that I did, which was to look at my operations and reevaluate and make, make better choices. You know, one of the things that became very clear through the pandemic was a lot of the things that I thought were quote unquote, the restaurant industry or my business really weren't. And I could just offset that or, or delegate that out. Uh, you asked a question uh, via email that I, I thought was super pertinent, which was, you know, what is the most important aspect about the guest experience nowadays? And I would say that, that a bigger question to ask is, you know, what do they, what do they really focus on? What do they notice? Because as operators, that's what we're trying to figure out, right? Who's they, the guest? What, what do the guests notice? Guess. Uh -huh. Yeah, what does the guest really notice? What do they value? And especially what does the next generation of guests value? And I would say that there are two big pillars, right? You've got transactional and you've got experiential. And if everybody wants to take a ton of stuff off their plate, you take all of the transactional stuff and you outsource it to tech. It's the easiest way to get things done. It's not a more personalized experience for someone to be able to pay on their phone or to yeah. be able to pay using a tablet at the table. The truth is, especially for the newest generation, what they prize is efficiency over everything else. So when you think about the restaurant of the future, think about the Apple store, right? You get great service when you need it, but ultimately it's choose your own adventure. If you yeah. want to go in there, pick up a phone, buy it and walk out the door. You can do that. But if you want to spend two hours in there wasting somebody's time, you are more than empowered to do that as well. <laughs> and both scenarios are easily achievable without much direction involved. That's how I see restaurants. I can tell you, I have touched tables countless times in the past where people were delighted to see me and wanted to know about me and my concept and how all of this came about. Just as many times, I've walked up to tables that couldn't wait for me to walk away and say, <laughs> you know, not every, not everybody's into the song and dance. Some people are just there to eat or some people are there on a date. They're trying to get their date to fall in love with them, not me. So mm -hmm. understanding that, you know, you have to know your place and meet, meet your customer where they are. Amen. So, you know, one of the first things that I did, and I know a lot of other people have done this as well. You go through your steps of servicing. You say, what's transactional? What can we pull out? And that way, your team has more bandwidth to focus on the experiential. And, and I think that that is, that is really the rub. What's a, an example of a transactional item that you can see that most restaurants probably should pull out, but maybe don't currently? I think everyone should be able to order and pay at the table. 
I, I, I think that there's nothing wrong with having a server there, but I guarantee you that, that one, you'll be able to sell a lot more because without, without a, a direct server involved in most tiers of dining, people are more likely to order more because they're ordering without judgment. And then two, they'll also order with more frequency because they're not trying to flag down their server to order that next drink. They can just click a button and do it. Yeah. I, I, I think that there's this beautiful dichotomy between tech and hospitality where the, by offsetting the transactional stuff, um, you're able to create a more curated experience because the guy there isn't focused on taking your order. They're focused on making sure your water glass is always filled. Mm-hmm. Make your table is spotless. And they're there to field any questions you might have about the menu. But ultimately, at the end of the day, that tablet is probably able to walk you through a better menu selection than a person ever could. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that is spot on. Now, what is something obviously you've had a lot of experience on both sides of the table, on both sides of the country. Going back to young, younger Josh, uh, what do you wish you would have known? That you got to put yourself out there. The, the people support people. They don't support places. They don't support things. They support people. So, you know, it took me years. I mean, it took more than a decade for me to stand in front of my restaurant and say, this is mine. This is why I built it. This is why it's meaningful. This is why I chose your community. This is, this is my commitment to you. And this is what I'd like to get back in return for that commitment. And A lot of us are afraid to do that. We just want to like keep our head down, do a good job and hope for the best. But ultimately at the end of the day, your restaurant, your food will be forgettable, but you are not forgettable. Mm. And you have the ability to connect with people in a more authentic way than a meal ever could. And so when they think about your place, they should think about you. And I should have done that early on. I think that's a great, that's a great lesson to take away. It's so easy to really, uh, quite frankly, like hide behind a lot of other stuff. You know what I mean? Like hide behind the the food, the staff, the training, the brand. But you know, putting yourself out there. I think Sean Walchef is a great example of that in, For in sure. uh, Southern California. You know, San Diego. There, he he is Cali Barbecue. And Cali Barbecue, you go in and it's a great barbecue joint, right? Like you can't have crappy food or bad service. That, those are table stakes nowadays. But it's how do you take it to the next level? And I think that's exactly right. Is you, you got to put yourself out there. I mean, how many people do you see holding a sign saying we're hiring uh, on the freeway, right? Sean Walchef does that. And right. so, and, and he's got a great buy-in from the community there. He did. And, and look, you know, as owners, as operators, we're making that investment. So there's no reason to not stand in front of it and say, this is what I'm doing. Come yeah. engage with me. You know, it's Seth Godin talks about this a lot, but it's, you know, People like us do things like this. One of the big hurdles as a restaurateur, because we're all people pleasers, is you want to serve everybody. Who's your target target demographic? The whole world. The hungry. Anyone who wants food. Yeah. Anyone. Do you live within 400 miles of my restaurant? I want to serve you. (laughs) Um, And and one, it's a fallacy. It's not true. Not everyone is going to be into what you do. Um, And two, if you choose to serve everyone, you'll end up serving no one well. And so Mm -hmm. I I would argue that every restaurateur needs to stand out in front of their restaurant and say, if you're like me, if you believe these things, if you value these things, then join me because 
I am doing that here for me and for you. Yeah, love that. So what are some successful things that you've seen or tried lately? Marketing, which is a, uh, a very wait, novel concept. Wait, sorry, right? this is a restaurant podcast. We're not talking, we, marketing, what? Right, That's, <laughs> you know what works, guys? Marketing, marketing works. Uh, old school marketing, new school marketing. In general, marketing works, um, but authentic marketing. You know what works really well? Data collection. Data mm. collection works incredibly well. When you turn to a patron and you say, hey, not in a weird way, but can I have your name, phone number, and email address? I'll give you X in return for it. And X isn't stupid. It's not cheap. It's not, it's not this thing that lacks value. It's something of high value that they'll appreciate because in return, they're giving you something of high value, which is their information. And then you don't just sit on that information. You use it to start a conversation, a conversation via text, via email, where it's just as much about them as it is about you and engaging with people authentically and starting a conversation and continuing that conversation over a long period of time. It, it matters. You know, it's not about saying, come celebrate your birthday with me. It's about saying, hey, do you have birthday plans? And when they say yes, say, well, listen, after you celebrate your birthday, come in because I'd love to celebrate with you. I've got a free dessert with your name on it. Or alternatively, if they say, I don't have birthday plans, you say, I would love to host your birthday party. Here's what I'm thinking. That's, that is a huge difference between sending someone a coupon on their birthday. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, dude, you know, you know, the engagement and one-on-one and -on -one communication, that's some Kool-Aid that I drink, man. So totally believe that. So, um, you know, final question here is who deserves an ovation in the restaurant industry today? My wife and every spouse out there that has chosen to love and spend their life with anyone in the hospitality industry, because we spend a lot of time talking about what a grind it is to own a restaurant, to operate a restaurant. Uh, but there, there are thousands of lives that are touched by people that love people in the industry that have struggled over the course of the last year and a half. And, and I, think, I, I think it's an amazing opportunity to bring attention to those people because I can tell you right now, I wouldn't have survived the last year and a half without the love and the support of my wife. And I guarantee you there's a sea of restaurateurs out there that believe the same thing I do. Amen, man. I think that that is, uh, that is truth right there to, to start, you know, an entrepreneur is crazy. A restaurateur is as crazy as they get, you know what I mean? And so the spouses, there's a lot they have to deal with that goes under the surface that, you know, they, that nobody else sees totally agree there. Well, uh, Josh, how, how, do, how do people find you, follow you? I'm pretty easy. You can find me at joshcopel.com. You can find me on Instagram at joshcopel, or you can look up the full comp or restaurant marketing school podcast. It's available wherever you get your podcast. Awesome. Well, for uplifting us, inspiring us and helping us, whether we're left brain, right brain, East coast, West coast by you or Hollywood today's ovation, Josh goes to you. Thank you so much for joining us on give an ovation. Glad you're with us today. And thank you. Thank you to the risk takers, the troublemakers, the crazies who are keeping this world clothed and fed. You're the ones who deserve an ovation. Again, this podcast was sponsored by Ovation. To see how we can help you grow your business, go to OvationUp.com. 
Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, remember to give someone in your life an ovation today.